Are you working? What kind of work do you do? We interrupt our program to bring you this important message. From the makeshift studios in Mullica Hill, New Jersey, it's talking ish with your commish. Week one's over. We got week two. And that's just how it goes. They fly by here in the NFL, but a great opening weekend. I really just loved having football back. Let me tell you. I sat in front of my TV this weekend like a fucking, like a, like a douche all weekend because like it was raining and it was crappy and it was shitty. And, you know, Sunday... You know, I had some stuff to do in the morning, uh, a couple things to take care of, and then it was raining, and I honestly didn't feel like moving. So I apologize for not coming out and watching the games over there at PPR. I'm going to get out there at some point, this, uh, maybe this weekend. Who knows? Sometimes I just get a little stressed out, you know? The week is tough, and there's a lot going on. You're juggling a million fucking things. You're trying to come up with stuff to talk about on a podcast, and you, you just need a little time to yourself. And I think that's what I did this weekend because it was just so shitty outside. It's been raining, I think, since the draft. I mean, I can't remember the last day we saw the sun. I'm literally like sitting in a dark basement because guess what? It's fucking dark outside anyway. And you know what's going to happen? That weird uh, summer to fall shift that occurs where it's just going to rain for a couple weeks and then all of a sudden it's dark out at 5 o'clock. And you're like, what the fuck happened? Wasn't it just dark out like at 9 o'clock just like a couple days ago? And you're... You're like, wow, we're in fall. But that's football season, and football season will be in full effect and in full swing. Last weekend, um, before we get to football, I want to talk about last weekend where a couple of the uh, the farters went out for a nice little evening at the Butcher Bar in Philadelphia. And uh, we we ate and drank our asses off. Like, I, I haven't had that much food and drink in a long time. It was very gluttonous and... I loved every second of it. The main course was basically a plate or a table, if you will, of meat and french fries. It was just a combination of meat and french fries, different types of meat and french fries. And fucking like, like I'm pretty sure like nine cheeseburgers or something. Um, this thing was delicious. And I honestly like can say like when I die, I want to be buried in that plate. Just like all around me in my casket, fucking burgers and french fries to my eyeballs. Just bury me that way. So at least if like there's an afterlife and I can bring shit with me, I can bring that delicious meal. I would also bring that really expensive bourbon we paid for unknowingly. And I just like I'm drawing a complete fucking blank on what we got. And I'm the one I think who picked it out like an asshole. Just because I was looking at everything and I'm like, this stuff looks pretty good, but that looks pretty good. So we got it. And uh, not that I regret getting it at all. I mean, I think Jen paid for that. So solid. Shout out to Jake one last time for, you know, turning 30, bruh. That's pretty big. You know, now you're not a young man. Your bush is going to get gray and you're going to get old from here on out. But I guess you could have said that at any point in your life. But now it's just, you know, now you come to the realization that that is inevitable. That is a fact. Um, happy birthday, brother. Uh, salute to you. Very cool dude. Very cool dude. So week one of the NFL is in the books. 
And I thought for this, we would recap the league because the season just started. Let's just whip it around and just get a little bit of the pulse, what the commission thinks of each team. Maybe that'll be entertaining, and I could do that to fill up time on a podcast. So let's whip around the league. The NFL season, of course, opened with your Philadelphia Eagles taking on the Atlanta Falcons in a rematch of last year's divisional uh, NFC Divisional Playoff game. Very little has changed, honestly, between these two teams since they last faced off. Eagles still without Carson, uh, now actually without uh, Alshon and Nigel Bradham because he was suspended. Um, but yeah, pretty much outside of that, you know, same team um, versus the same team, same situation at the link. Great way to start the season. Um, and the game itself ended up playing out very much like the game from the previous year where it came down to a goal line stance and Matt Ryan shit his pants. So it came down to the defense and they looked pretty fucking good throughout the game. And I, I'm very excited to continue to watch the defense this season. They've already, they're adding to a defensive line this year that was already dominant. You're getting guys like Michael Bennett now, Haloti Nada to replace the guys you lost, like Bo Allen and Vinnie Curry. But I think that's an upgrade, in my opinion. Uh, and I, I expect this rotation to continue their dominance like you saw, particularly against the run. And I also like the linebacking core. I think there's some depth there. Despite Bradham not being able to play, you get Jordan Hicks back. I like what I saw out of my boy Kamu. Uh Big play there in the game. And then uh, this guy, Nathan Jerry, you know, he made a mistake, but he's a serviceable piece, you know. So I like the linebackers. And the secondary is solid, you know. Between the 20s, they may let up a couple of yards, and they may bite on that double move pretty much every fucking time Julio Jones pivots his foot into the ground. But for the most part, when you get into the red zone, they're they're pretty solid because they have more space or less – the receiver has less space to work with to uh, get get past them, and they're pretty quick, speedy guys. I was really impressed, too, by uh, Ronald Darby, who I thought covered one of the best receivers in football pretty good. You know, Julio did Julio things, but he's going to do that. You keep him out of the end zone, you did your job, and Darby did a pretty good job of that. I want you to close your eyes for a second. I want you to have your eyes closed and imagine that you see these little, little like, long, scraggly hairs, and they're red. And then uh, we zoom out, and it's Stein's dick and his bush. And it's just his flaccid dick. That's kind of what the Eagles were like offensively in the game on Thursday night. Just as a very, like, sad, cold dick on a cold winter night. Um, and, and soft. And very soft and flaccid. In fact, they didn't pay, play very well at all. All around. All around. So I'm sorry, Stein, for talking about your dick on a podcast. Um, but, uh, yeah. I'm sure it's nice, you know. Maybe you're a, a grower, not a shower. I know most most of us white men are that way. Anyway, uh, the offense just, I think, couldn't get in a rhythm. Between all the flags and drop passes, Zach Ertz didn't have a great game. Uh, Nick Foles wasn't sharp. And, uh, you know, everybody was a little out of sync. I thought the offense overall was meh. Uh, but there were some bright spots. I think the running backs, they showed some promise. We went to Sproles a little too much early on, but we figured it out. And it turned out like uh, Ajayi was hurt. So I think that's probably why you saw a heavy do dose of Sproles. So I think once we can get it going in the pa in the passing game and not drop our passes, everything just becomes that much better. And we'll get there, guys. This happened last year with Nick Foles. I'm not worried about it. You shouldn't be worried about it. It's all going to be good. It's all gravy. And remember, now you saw that Jay Ajayi is a legitimate running back. 
and he's going to barrel over motherfuckers all season. As long as he stays healthy, knock on wood, uh, I'm, I'm pretty excited about what's to come from this running back core. you got plenty of guys to throw in there to switch things up. Uh, your Sproles and your Clement. And they, all, they both bring different things. I think we're in good shape. Falcons, on the other hand, have the same issues as last year. They look ama- like electrifying, amazing during the 20s. But they're an absolute dud in the re- in the red zone. I like it baffles me sometimes to watch Steve Sarkeesian call plays in the red zone. My man literally telegraphs the fact that pretty much every single play is going to Julio. And I get it. You know, he's a freak. He can go up there and get it, particularly against some smaller like D-backs, but you're you know, you're in goal line set. You have you have the experience and learnings from last year that when you went to Julio every single time, the the Eagles were pretty smart and figured out what you were doing, you know? Why not try like a little like shovel pass, Andy Reid shovel pass up the middle to like a tight end or something stupid like that to just try to get something going. Uh, maybe even try running the ball with like, you've got Tevin Coleman, get the ball to Tevin Coleman, like spread the fucking ball around. It was bizarre to me. Just let's go to Julio. Let's go to Julio. And let's throw out of bounds to Julio. The thing that really baffled me though, the most in the Atlanta's uh, attempt to win the game there on Thursday night is the fact that on fourth down, uh, with pretty much the game on the line, Matt Ryan just sails the ball out of the end zone. And it's forgotten because he's bailed out by um, a penalty call, a stupid fucking penalty call. And uh, he gets a couple more chances and he still can't get it done. Matt Ryan, is he elite? I be- I'm beginning to question that, my friends. Uh, Eagles, though, beat the Falcons 18-12. to South Jersey's own Joe Flacco got it going in the 1 o'clock games, going for 236 yards and three touchdowns against a really shitty Buffalo Bills team. Um, then he got yanked from the game because they were like, we've had enough. We've seen enough. Joe Flacco, way to go, kid. The kid from Audubon. Uh, but now that he's got people to throw to, he's got Willie Sneed, Josh Brown, Michael Crabtree. These are, these are big upgrades from what he's had over the last couple of years. And I think this kid, Alex Collins, is pretty good, too. Um, this is a team that might be able to get it going. I don't know. That's a tough division um, with the Steelers and the, and the fucking Browns and the Bengals. Bills, though, real bad team. They're an absolute disaster. Nathan Peterman started the game. I suspect he will never start again. If Nathan fucking Peterman's a starting quarterback in the NFL, then I'm a necklace draft at a fucking zoo. That guy stinks. Flat out stinks. I don't even understand how he became the number one guy on the depth chart. Go to the rookie. Who fucking cares? It's better than that. Pit- pitiful. Absolutely dreadful. Sean McDermott's also a fucking idiot. We had him here in Philadelphia, and I don't think that worked out so well. Then he goes to Carolina, and he inherits a defense with some players, Luke Keekley uh, among them, and then he gets a head coaching job somehow. Somebody just takes a chance on him. It's fucking Buffalo. Buffalo. Have you ever, like, been to Buffalo, New York? It is literally the Arctic. It's fucking Canada. It's like a different fucking world. These people are very, very different than you and I. They're they're people from up there, you know? Um, they'll take Sean McDermott. Because what the fuck do they know? They don't know any better. He's, he's literally, he should not be a head coach. He shouldn't even be a coach in football. Starting Nathan Peterman. The, uh, the Ravens, though, dismantle the Buffalo Bills 47-3. The Jags opened their season in New Jersey where they faced off against a team from New York led by the highest-functioning retard in all of America, um, Eli Manning. 
And here's pretty much how this game went. So Blake Bortles, he's a terrible quarterback. He's about as useless as a screen door on a submarine. And, uh, you know, I think this team's going to have to rely on running the ball because, again, that guy is about as useful as a pig roast and orthodox bar mitzvah. The good news for them is that their defense is absolutely dominant. They look pretty good. They may be the best defense in all of football. Just get to the fucking quarterback, get to the ball. They're like, they remind me of how Seattle was in the prime of that defense. Um, so that's their bread and butter, running the ball in defense. So the Jags roll out a solid defense, Leonard Fournette and Blake B, because the other letters in his name are fucking useless, like him. The Giants bring out a 315-pound parking cone, um, Eric Flowers, who butchers the offensive line position the way his parents butchered the spelling of the name Eric. They literally spell it in the most, like, hood rat way possible. It's E-R-E-C-K. E-R-E-C. E-R-E-C. E-R-E-C Flowers. Um, but the Giants have some solid weapons otherwise on offense. They've got ODB, still a top five receiver in this league. Saquon, who's going to be as good as advertised. My man broke off for a ridiculous run. That was very reminiscent of his days at Penn State. Um, but without an offensive line, the Giants kind of have to rely on this dink and dunk bullshit. The, um, the Alex Smith method, if you will. Uh, the good news, though, I think, in the end, is that the Giants will never have to face an opponent um, with as tough of a defensive front as this Jaguars team this year. Oh, wait a minute. Yes, they will, and they'll have to do it twice, and that's the Philadelphia Eagles, and I can't wait to watch them smother the Giants like they got smothered against the Jaguars and really couldn't get much going there on offense, and uh, that's why they lost to the Jags 20-15 to with the Fox family in attendance. The Bucks and the Saints had themselves a good old-fashioned shootout down in the Superdome, a stadium where apparently defense is optional. Uh, the big surprise of this game was Ryan Fitzpatrick going for 417 yards and four touchdowns, all while whacking a beard that made him look exactly like Zach Platus. Platus? Platus? I still don't know how to say his fucking name. But I think that Ryan Fitzpatrick looks like Zach, Zachy P. We've had a lot of Zachs in this league. Um, so, yeah, he had himself a great day. And the Saints defense, who's been heralded as being a top five defense, really didn't show much, but... I have high hopes for them, and I really, I mean, their offense is clearly still really good. Michael Thomas, Drew Brees, and Alvin fucking Kamara. That guy, who, man, can that guy play? He's just all over the field, and he talks a lot of shit. And I kind of like, if he was on my team, I'd love that fucking guy. We'll see though if it's magic can handle Long Cox against the Eagles in Week Two. I think we're gonna break him in half. But in this one, he got the best of the Saints. The Bucks beat the Saints forty-eight. To 40. Houston traveled to the home of the Super Bowl loser New England Patriots, where Tom Brady and Gronk pretty much had their way with the Texans defense all day. But it was their pass, pass rush that I think really shined through in the game. Getting to Deshaun Watson, given trouble, he really he looked pretty rough in his return to football. Got hit a ton, coughed up the ball a few times, finished 17 for 34 with only 176 yards and one touchdown. Uh, also had an interception, and I believe he fumbled the ball. Um, 115 of those yards, too. So had 176 yards. 115 of those came in the second half. I think he's growing. You know, this is growing pains. The guy really has to learn to read the defense, though. I think he's gotten by on just pure athleticism and instinct, which gets you somewhere. But study up on the game, my young man, and then you won't uh, 
you won't have the showing you did. The Kid Kissers beat the Texans 27-20. Pundits have been pretty high on the 49ers. Everybody's excited about Jimmy G and you know him plowing porn stars and all the stuff he's doing. But I don't know. I kind of still think, meh, they don't have enough. Um, they faced off against a very, very good Vikings team. I was very impressed by this team. Um, they look like they got something going here with Kirk Cousins at the helm. Kirk's a, uh, he's a bigger arm than Case Keenum, who, uh, my family constantly refers to as Casey Kasem, who was the voice of Scooby-Doo. <laughs> that was a terrible <laughs> Scooby-Doo impression. I apologize. But, uh, Kirk looked, uh, pretty comfortable there with his new friends. He was getting the ball to Thielen, Diggs, Rudolph, and, of course, Dalvin Cook, who is now back on that team, who makes that offense from a, you know, a good offense to a great offense. And the defense is absolutely dominating. I think they're a top-five defense in the NFL. I think they're going to make some noise this year. But uh, guess what? The road to the Super Bowl comes through Philadelphia, my friend. you got to beat the champ to beat the champ. Vikings over the 49ers, 24-16. Down in Miami, they had a lot of fucking rain and lightning. And four hours of delays, which was it was absolutely bizarre. And I think this is like the least interesting game of the week. It's about as interesting as the city of Cleveland. Ryan Tannehill looked pretty good after 637 days off the field, nutting into his incredibly gorgeous wife. Um, with an empty sack, he went for 230 yards and two touchdowns in his first game back. On the other side, Marcus Mariota played like absolute garbage and ended the game with an injury where uh, his, you know his backup had to come and finish out the game for him. Aren't you guys glad that uh, we didn't get Marcus Mariota? Remember this whole town was like, do the deal. Do the deal. Mortgage the future and get Marcus Mariota. Glad we didn't do that shit because now we got Carson Wentz. And that is like, he might be an all-time all-timer if he recovers from this injury. Jesus bless his knee as I look at him on the cr on the red cross that I stuck him on that the weird kid who lived here before me painted on the door here to the office. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah, glad we, uh, ended up with Carson. The Dolphins, after a very long delay, beat the Titans 27-220. Andrew Luck, the ultimate neckbeard, made his return after a very long absence, throwing for 319 yards and two touchdown passes and a pick early in the game. Andrew Luck, uh, was on the receiving end of pretty much what was, an, uh, like, a decapitation attempt. And what resulted in the league's first ejection for that new helmet contact rule, or whatever they're calling it. Um, and I think in this case, the ejection was merited. The Bengals' Sean Williams tried to crack open Luck's head to see, is there beard inside? Because there's definitely neck beard outside. Does it come from his brain? And that's maybe why he's a quarterback, because of his neck beard powers. Anyway, uh, Frank Reich, who I think is a big old dildo, for all the bullshit he said about Carson Wentz as he left the Eagles, like Carson was some like trouble student because he didn't want to die, like, like, you know, just fucking dive and not go for those big yards and those big plays with his legs. How about you, uh, sack up Frank Reich? You're not, you're not a very good coach, uh, in the first place. Let's, let's look at the reasons why. I don't know. Let's start with the fact that maybe you took a guy who's coming off shoulder surgery that pretty much kept him out of, like, pretty much two seasons. And you have him throw the ball 53 times. Not only that, but your team, uh, you came out a little flat there, Frankie. So how about you shut your fucking mouth, dude? Uh, the Colts 
overall, I think are a pretty bad team. But Andrew Luck makes them not a complete piece of shit. So I think they, you know, they could go eight and eight. They could go like nine and seven and maybe squeak into the playoffs. I don't know. Um, Bengals are a meh team. They beat up on another meh team. Uh, so yeah, battle the meh out there in Indianapolis. But the Bengals get the better of the, the Colts, thirty-four to twenty-three. In the battle of uh, boring cities that nobody fucking cares about, except the people that live in those cities, uh, Pittsburgh and Cleveland put on quite the show of mediocrity and bad football. Despite showing uh, some promise here with Le'Veon Bell out, Le'Veon, no Le'Veon, no problem. James Conner put up 192 yards, but Pittsburgh turned the ball over six fucking times, and Cleveland couldn't capitalize. Big Ben looks like he might be over the hill here, guys. I don't know. Like, he had some moments in the game, and I think, like, yeah, he's a good quarterback, but then, you know, he throws, like, three picks. He's good for at least two picks a game. I think I've said that here on the podcast. I'll say it again. Uh, Cleveland, despite all this hype, is a very mediocre football team, man. Like, Pittsburgh should have destroyed that team. But instead, they kissed their sister and benefited from the Browns doing Brown things. Driving down the field there in overtime, kicking a field goal, gets blocked. Browns and Steelers tie 21 apiece. Four o'clock games rolled around, and Pat Mahomey, which is my nickname for Pat Mahomes, Got the regular season start against the Cleveland Char- Cleveland Chargers. Whoa, we're talking about L.A. Chargers, and uh, he looked pretty, pretty good. Uh, 256 yards, four touchdown passes. He got some help with some bad special teams play there out, uh, by the Los Angeles Chargers. Um, Tyreek Hill took the opening kickoff, 91 yards for a score, but the Chargers pressing later in the game. Undrafted rookie J.J. Jones fumbled a punt. Just like buffed the punt right off until choke moment, giving the Chiefs the ball on the two yard line. They went on to score. And former Eagle kicker Caleb Sturgis missed a 48 yard field goal wide left. Nice job there, buddy. I think both of these teams have issues. The Chiefs defense is not particularly good. Um, we've had great Chiefs defenses in some of the years past, but those people have left and gone other places. I think the Chargers have a lot of holes on special teams there but enough to maybe be a little bit better than they showed in their season opener. Chiefs got the best of the Chargers, 38-28. The Seattle Seahawks are one of those teams that I think may be flirting with the demise of what was once a great franchise. You know, they're on defense. Earl Thomas is an absolute stud. But outside of him, that's a very inexperienced defense, like a young defense with major question marks, uh, especially with the pass rush. All of those were very evident in this game. Case Keenum, who, again, my family refers to as Casey Kasem, the voice of Scooby-Doo. <laughs> that was even worse than the last one. That was terrible. Um, anyway, he's Case Keenum, to me, I've always thought of him as like a poor man's Alex Smith, which is, that's just fucking bad. Uh, but he was good enough to bring back his team in the fourth quarter, overcoming five-point deficit to win the game 27-24. to 24. How about them Cowboys? Um, dating back to last season, I just want to throw out some stats there on the Cowboys. Um, dating back to last season, the Cowboys have not scored more than 20 points in, uh, pretty much four games. So four straight games of not putting up more than 20 points. And Dak Prescott has not thrown for 200 yards in seven of his past nine games. I have no idea. 
why anyone ever compared Dak Prescott to Carson Wentz. Dak looks lost out there. He's definitely not who everyone thought he was his rookie season. Without a real threat at receiver, Carolina stacked the box, shut down Zeke, and just really came after after Dak all fucking game. Carolina's offense is like, and now they've lost Greg Olson again, and he that's certainly not going to help them going forward. I mean, you know, maybe he comes back, but he's going to be playing on a fucking foot he needs surgery on or whatever. Uh, defense, real deal. I think that'll make them a little bit better there in that very competitive NFC South. But uh, I think they're meh overall. Panthers take down the Cowboys 16-8. to The Washington Redskins, they look like a completely different team from last season. They finally have a healthy offensive line. They've stolen the whole RPO scheme from the Eagles, and now they're running, they're running that to the dink and dunk extreme with the dink and dunk master, Alex Smith. Hit the running backs, uh, Chris Thompson, <laughs> one of their healthy backs, and uh, Adrian Peterson, the ageless child spanking wonder. He had a great game. And the Redskins, look they, they look pretty good. They look good enough to compete. There's no world beaters on that team. And they played against an Arizona team that is absolutely miserable. Or maybe the worst team in football. They had a meh. <laughs> yeah, I keep saying meh. But uh, that's, that's the way I describe a lot of teams. I look at teams like you're either meh or you're elite. If you're not elite, you're meh. Okay? Uh, and the Redskins, meh team, beat up on that meh team uh 24-6 and the Sunday night game created the talk of the weekend where Aaron Rodgers seemingly was like crippled he was like his knees were cut off then he comes back at halftime to lead his team back with three fourth quarter touchdowns the guy is a machine he is well not a machine he's a, a like a breakable machine but uh he gets shit done he's proving them why he's worth that money the Bears, I think, kind of gave that game away a little bit. Now, that's a young, growing team. That's a team that potentially could be good two or three years from now. Um, maybe this Trubisky kid can figure it out. He's got some growing pains still figuring it out. That defense, with the addition of Khalil Mack, that's pretty much going to improve that defense from good to great, as I, as we talked about. Um, still, though, I think there's a lot to figure out there out in Chicago. Uh, home of the Bears. The Bears. The Packers come back and beat the Bears 24-23, led by Aaron Rodgers and his one leg. And then we get to the Monday night games. Oof. I don't even want to talk about them. I'm sure you're sick of hearing me talk about all these games anyway, so why waste our time? Basically, Matt Patricia got whacked in his first head coaching debut since uh, uh, losing to the Eagles. He lost to the Eagles in the Super Bowl becomes head coach, and gets absolutely whacked by Joff. Joff led the Jets. He looked great out there. I mean, throwing zingers. You know, we started off the game a little weak there, Joff. Bad pass, bro. But uh, zingers from there on out. Zing and zing and zing. Uh, I liked it. Good good showing from Joff. Um, yeah, and then after that, old Chucky got absolutely whacked by the Rams. The real story of the Monday night games was the terrible broadcast by ESPN. Monday night football used to be the mecca of all football. Like, you would go through your weekend, and you're like, yeah, Sunday football's great. 
you get to Monday night, and if you played on Monday night, you felt like you felt like your team was like, you know, this is a, we're good. People want to watch us on prime time because there used to be very difficult access to to certain things. Uh, it's not the it wasn't the age of the internet where you could literally get anything at your fingertips. You're on your phone, you can watch a game, blah blah blah. Like this was if you didn't live in the market that your team played in. You generally didn't get to see your team that that team play. Like, oh, I didn't grow up watching like uh, I don't know Minnesota Viking games. I grew up watching Eagles games. And then if a team played on a Monday night, well, now everybody in the country had something to watch. They had a they could see this team, this team that usually was some of the better teams to draw an audience, and that was the appeal of Monday Night Football. And back then, when Monday Night Football was you know in its prime. The announcers were phenomenal. Al Michaels, Frank Gifford, Howard Cosell, even O.J. Simpson. You know, Monday Night Football with O.J. Before he's got murdery. But now you've got this garbage. Um, the guy, the main guy, the play-by-play guy, like I could get I could get beyond him. Joe Tessitore, um, he's okay. Jason Witten, fucking boring. Dude, oh my God, is Jason Witten boring. And then you've got the sideline reporter, Booger McFarland. Just the fact that his name is Booger makes me fucking hate him. And then he's stupid. He has nothing good to add. Um, But my real problem with the ESPN commentators came in the game before the game where we got to the main Monday night broadcast, folks. And we had to listen to fucking Beth Moens. And I'm not sexist. Dave said that, too. We're not sexist for not enjoying Beth Moens. We're human. And I think, honestly, that is a bad business move to appoint a woman to a play-by-play role in football. And I'm not saying that because, you know, that's sexist. I'm saying it because it's a fact. It's a, like, look at, let's look at this, like, from a business standpoint. ESPN, which is now has become one of the most PC companies there is in the entire world of broadcast television, they are so trying to get ahead of all of these things that are now deemed they're trying we're trying to deem acceptable for all of society. You know, we've made some breakthroughs in the years. Like I think generally most people have no problem with gay people. Now we're trying to push transgender and like, you know, call me by my pronoun and all that shit, which, you know, if you want to do it, great. But it's all part of that PC narrative. So that's what ESPN is trying to appeal to. This general liberal cuck sense of just fucking bullshit PC titles and all that crap. So I think that's why they made the move to um, appoint Beth Moens as a play-by-play person. And I'm not saying, like, you know, maybe she's had this distinguished career as a journalist or a play-by-play person. I don't know, a coach. Like, wherever the fuck she came from. The fact of the matter is that football is a very male-centric sport. And when you look at the numbers for the TV audience, it is primarily men. And it is men of all ages. It's And like, yeah, you have a small demographic of women. But generally, men, when watching sports, don't want to listen to a woman. They listen to a woman at home. They listen to a woman at work. They listen to women more, 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 more. They don't want to listen to that. 
So if your audience is primarily men who don't want to listen to women, what's a great idea, ESPN? I don't know. Let's throw a fucking female play-by-play announcer who you literally have to listen to the entire game. The entire fucking game. It's not like it's a color commentator like Doris Burke on NBA. She actually has something to add to the game. And the thing is, like, I don't have to hear her constantly. I don't have to hear her every play. And, I, like, I feel like this is making me sound so sexist and, like, a douchebag. Again, like, I hate, the like, women and stuff, but it's not that. It's, like, I'm watching football. I want a man to describe what I'm seeing. It's just maybe that maybe that's me. Maybe I'm fucked up. And that's why I don't understand this PC culture bullshit that we've just accepted. I just, like, to me, it's, like, it's very simple. Like, I respect you. You're a person. I respect what you have to say. I respect the fact that you want to, like, call yourself something weird. I just, like, I personally I find it weird. And you can't blame me for that. Like, it's not, it's not, I don't understand that. Like, I didn't come from that. If you want to call yourself thing, like, <laughs> I don't know. Like, I, that's weird for me. Like, I was not taught English to call you thing. I was taught English in a very traditional sense of, like, there's he and she shit. He for this, she for that. And when you're born, you have a dick or a vagina. And it's like, you know, you got one of them. I get that, like, there's something that makes you feel like a woman. And I'm not going to deny that. I know that that exists. I know that you feel that way. But, like, it's so difficult for me to go and call you by some some fucking thing that's not natural to my speaking terms. Like, yeah, I will try for you if you're important enough. But if you're just some dickbag on the street and I just met you, how am I supposed to know to call you fucking thing? You know? Anyway, ESPN, the ultimate curator of PC bullshit garbage, rolling out Beth Moens is a complete desecration of Monday Night Football. And Monday Night Football is now my least favorite football time of the weekend. I would literally rather watch a Thursday night game between the Steelers and the Browns. Another thing that kind of reminds me that's kind of related that just happened was that whole mess with Serena Williams. I'm sure you all saw it because Dave sent it to everybody. And it was great recap there, Dave. That was perfect. Like, I had no idea this was even going on. And you sent me all that shit. And I'm like, I'm caught up. And that was great. Um, Serena Williams is a spoiled little brat. And, you know, like, you, she, if you don't know what happened, basically, like, in tennis, I guess, like, you can't, you can't, like, look into the stands for coaching advice or have a coach on the sideline. It is you versus the other person. No interference. And she was looking up into the stands, and they gave her some kind of penalty, and she wasn't happy about it. Started yelling at the uh, the ref, being like, that is bullshit. I would never cheat. <laughs> like, go and listen to it. It's absolutely absurd. It makes me uncomfortable. It makes my skin crawl. And she gets assessed another penalty for mouthing off to the ref. And then she's, like, telling the ref, you owe me an apology. Like, you have something against women. Like, if this was a man freaking out about the rules, um, you would treat them differently. You wouldn't have assessed them a penalty. You'd be like, oh, he's just blowing off some steam. But that's bullshit, Serena. You look like an idiot. Like, go back and look at the video of yourself. I would have, assessed, I would have like, literally been like, you're, you're never playing tennis again, bitch. You're being ridiculous. You're being ridiculous. And she makes it into some women, women's thing. And now everybody in the liberal cuck media is running with that narrative, that whole thing of, oh, this is some bullshit uh, stuff against women. Women are, like, discriminated against in the tennis world, and Serena should have been, shouldn't have been assessed that penalty and only give it to her because she's a woman and she's strong. 
fuck that. She was a little spoiled brat. And uh, she looks like... <laughs> uh, no, I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to say that in case anybody finds it. If you want to find out what I was going to say, you have to text me and I'll tell you. Uh, it was, yeah, borderline. Can't put it in the podcast. Anyway, anywho. anywho. Yeah, just sick of that bullshit PC culture narrative and all that crap. Crazy thing that happened to me the other day, if you're interested in continuing to hear about my stories, is I went outside and I, like, turned the corner. And at night, I feel like you see things differently in your yard. And if you've been to my house, you come out. Through my back door, you're on the deck, right? I look to my left. I flick on the, like, lights. And in the light of the night, in the light of the night, I see the most gigantic spider web I've ever seen. And it's sitting in the middle of it is a tarantula-sized spider. Now, this motherfucker, it's, like, black. It has this little red thing in the middle. It looks like some cool shit from Spider-Man. Like, I'm like, if this if this thing bites me, am I going to get radioactive in this bitch? Am I going to be able to swing from building to building and start webbing people? Because that'd be cool. And I only bring that up because I've been playing the new Spider-Man game. It's pretty sick. But this spider... I'm ready to go out there with a raid and just fucking murder it because spiders terrify me. You ever get bit by a spider? You got that spider bite for like weeks and it's itchy and it's gross and people look at you funny. So I wanted to murder this thing. But Jen's like, don't kill it. She's like, she's taking care of business. You see that fucking giant web? It's gonna. She's going to capture so many flies. And we have a real serious fly problem here. We live next to like a swamp basically. So, yeah, I'm like, okay, you sold me. I won't kill her. I mean, I did try to spray vinegar at her, but that didn't really work, and I kind of knew it wouldn't work. I just wanted to see if she would stand her ground, and she did. She, like, swooped down on a web real quick like Spider-Man and fucking swooped back up, and she's like, nah, 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 Didn't kill her. She's literally killing all the flies out there, so now she's a, she pretty much lives here. Uh, not paying rent, but doing her part. So, respect. Respect to the spider community. Back to football in our league. Uh, I'm going to spare you the music this week because I'm having some issues downloading it from uh, this is a new computer. So, you know, first few week kinks. Deal with it. In a championship rematch, the commission put up an absolute dud uh, against Stein. Um, and Stein ripped my ass apart. Uh, I lost two starters and uh, didn't turn out so well for me. Uh, 129.1 by Stein to my abysmal 89.8. Jake lost a close one with Mark. Um, he got Cooper cucked in the 131.5 to 137, 130.7. Uh, Mark Spack win. Zach Marin took down Zach Fox in a battle of the Zachs, 128.2 to 115.3. Jove absolutely torched ML, uh, 148.8 to 94.6. Dave proved all the haters wrong with a 121.2 victory over Uncle BJ and his 98.6 points. Um, with Jofe's 148.8, uh, is that right? Let me look. Wow, that's good memory. 148.8 points. He is our weekly MVP and the proud winner of $5 cash money. Jofe, in his bravery, has accepted the commissioner's challenge will go up against the commissioner for a chance to double his money then i applaud joe for coming after the commission he's in a weak spot right now 
He's vulnerable. So come after him and lose it all, Jove. And I can't wait to beat you next week. Let's get into the power rankings because things have shifted um, considerably uh, after the things that have transpired this week. And we're just going to breeze through them this week because it's a week one power ranking. And it doesn't mean much. It's one game. So we will see who will reign on top come the end of the year. But remember, what are rankings? Unless you've got power! <laughs> Here we go. Number 10. Coming into number 10 on the basement floor of the entire league is the commish. PP, Didi, showing absolutely dreadful. Two starters uh, just put up duds of games. Defense just put up negative points. Everything that could go wrong went wrong. So it went from first to worst. But we'll be back. Don't you fucking worry about me. Number nine. Coming into number nine is ML. Another abysmal showing. Uh, I think this goes back to the draft discussion, ML, and what could have been. But it's all right. There's still plenty of time. It's one week. Don't worry. Number eight. Coming in at number eight is BJ after getting shellacked by Dave. Uh, we said the starters are the bread and butter, and the starters didn't show up this week. So BJ is, uh, you know, he is where he is at the uh, power rankings. Number seven. Coming in at number seven is the other guy who lost, Fox. Um, Fox teamed okay. Didn't play great. Uh, but somehow that guy always finds a way to sneak his way back into the playoffs. Number six. Coming in at number six is Dave. I uh, beat up on Dave last week. We put him in the basement. But he pulled out a win. He proved us all wrong. Looks like he's uh, you got a pretty solid squad when they show up. But will they show up? That is the question. Dave in at number six. Number five. Coming in at number five is the newcomer to leave, Zach Maron. He uh, put up a pretty solid performance against the other Zach and bested Zach Fox in the Battle of the Zachs. So he is now top Zach, I guess. He's top Zach in his first game into the league. So do I smell rivalry? I don't know. Maybe you can decide. Number four. Coming in at number four is Maxwell Ezra Stein Rosanelli. And uh, great uh, great showing this week from Stein. Beat up on a team that's lesser than him and uh, showed why last year he found himself the championship game. Maybe can find himself there again this year if he continues to have weeks like he had this week. Stein at number, at number uh, four. Number three. Coming in at number three, despite losing, is Jake. I still think that Jake is one of the better teams in this league. He just couldn't get it done against Mark because he got Cooper cucked. And that's why he's at number three, falling from number one. Number two. Coming in at number two is the guy who beat Jake, and that's Mark. Mark uh, had a pretty strong showing, and he still doesn't have Alshon Jeffrey back. Could Mark be a, uh, a black horse in the league? Could Mark be? We'll see, Mark. We shall see. Number one. But your number one team, the MVP from this week, got it done. Jofe. Jofe. Has Jofe ever been number one in the power rankings? I don't know. I'd have to go back and look. But cherish this moment, my friend. The team's looking pretty good right now. I Actually, I'm looking at the roster, and I'm, I'm liking what I'm seizing, you know? And if you're going to pick one guy from the shitty Seattle Seahawks, it's going to be Russell Wilson. So I like where Jofe is at. 
148.8 points. I can still remember that off the top of my head, despite the fact that I'm drunk and I can't say the word despite. And uh, I've had a couple, uh, you know, weed hits. I've gone away from the pen recently. I'm a traditionalist when it comes to uh, my chronic intake. I like to enjoy it. I like to taste it. I like to know what I'm what I'm getting myself into. You don't get that with that whole pen thing. The whole pen thing is like a thing of convenience where like yeah, you, you kinda like, you know, you want to do your thing and you're out in public or you're out somewhere where that other thing isn't very convenient. But when you're in your home and you got an option, psh, every fucking time. Every fucking time. Alright, so now it's part of that 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 part of the show, you know, where we go to you and we figure out what the fuck's going on in your life. We'll start with uh a little bit of uh some stuff that's a little late. Um, people commenting on, but hey, let's go with, uh, let's get to Mark on the draft. Yo, Brent, thanks for fucking setting up that shit for the draft order. I fucking kicked ass. I'm number one. I'm number one. I'm number one. Y'all remember it. I'm number one. Mark's number one. Mark, Mark's number one. Mark's number one. Mark, Mark's number one. Nice job polishing off that fucking giant plate of fries with me, bruh. Brent, you can tell Jake, whoever else fucking doubts me, I will gladly run another 40 times. See how it compares. You know? I'm tired of people questioning my fucking wheels. Holy cow, wheels for a big boy. Just because I'm fat doesn't mean I can't run, you know, real quick and then start heavy breathing. Basically what that is. You know, you just sprint it. I just can't sprint too long. Or too far. If I go too far, I'm never going to get back. That's the thing with running. Running, you know, like you run out, and you're like, fuck, when do I turn around? Well, fuck, I gotta go back. That shit is far away from where I am right now. So I don't run. Um, plus I'm fat. You're not fat, dude. You're pleasantly plump. And for a plump guy, you got some fucking wheels. I was actually impressed, but I still think that we could all dust you in a race, and that's all bullshit. So, uh, yeah, let's bring it on. I'm willing to race you when we get down to Charleston, if uh, that place still exists. Right now, I'm making uh, the pilgrimage from Bumblefuck, middle of America, fucking Ohio, to my home, the, the Delaware Valley. And, you know, there's nothing really like it. I really don't mind the drive. I, I think the drive is, you know, great. It gives me time to get pumped up for what I'm going to experience back home with family and friends and be around my people. You know, my people aren't in the Midwest. They're too nice. They're, you know, they don't say water. They don't know what good bread tastes like. They don't know what any good food is like. You fucking can't find a good slice of fucking pizza in the Midwest. And it really bothers me. And pizza's like one of the things that you can't fuck up. <laughs> Move the Cleveland pal. I gotta be honest with you, man. I kind of feel like if you're landlocked, you're weird. Because something, I just feel like there's something about the water that just, like, makes people normal. I don't know. Just knowing that you have an out. I feel like the people that live in the landlocked states, like Ohio, even though there's, like, water, I guess, technically, with the Great Lakes. Like, that's, that's like, a small body of water compared to an ocean. I just feel like those people turn out, like, I don't know, a little different. It's not it's not the Northeast. It's not Philadelphia. They don't, ha- they don't know what good food is. Uh, God knows where those people, they came from the coal mines. Who knows? I don't know. Uh... Yeah, but I'm glad you enjoy the drive. At least coming back, that's cool. 
we're going to hear from a lot from ML on this one. Uh, let's hear more on Mike's travels. Going with the theme of my travel so far, thought about something. You know how, like, birds and all other animals migrate pattern. You know, they have, like, migratory patterns. Migratory? Sure. Uh, yeah, they have patterns, you know, where they go south, they go north, they go wherever the, basically wherever the bitches go. But for us, it's different. Since the eagles are birds, all of us birds fans, we all flock to South Philadelphia every fucking year to watch our boys fly. This year is a little different. We come in as world fucking champions. And there's never, you know, there's nothing like your first. I don't know about you guys, but my first sexual experience was pretty bad. This first Super Bowl win probably the best thing that's ever happened to me in my life. I don't think marriage or even, like, my own child will be able to just bring the emotion that this Super Bowl win has brought us and probably many, many others. But come later on today, around 830, 70-plus thousand strong at the link, and football's back. And there's nothing better than it. But once the season starts, once that ball's kicked off and everything, previous season is behind us. Yeah, we're Super Bowl champions. Yeah, we're reigning Super Bowl champions. But you got to look to 2018-19 season. And like Alshon said, it's going to start with Atlanta, and it's going to end in Atlanta in February. And I cannot fucking wait. Hopefully it's not a letdown, but I have high hopes for this team and probably for the next three to five, ten years. You know, hopefully if they can keep it up and not let their heads get too big and all that. And uh, it's fucking it's football, dude. I'm so fucking jacked up. Uh, go Birds! I'm just imagining Mike recording these and sending them to me. Like, he's, like, so fired up for the Eagles game, and he's fucking bored. Regardless of him telling you he enjoys the drive, he's bored. And that's why he's firing them off to me. And I appreciate it, brother. And I'm glad you got to see a great game. You you came you came for something. You got what you paid for. You went on, you sold some golf. You got some good food. What a good trip for you, my friend. I also brought something up about the, their heads getting too big. I think this Bud Light statue is like 10 years too early. I know the Eagles didn't do it, and Bud Light, you know, built it, donated it. But, you know, the Eagles obviously had to uh, prove it. I think a statue not even a year later is a bit ridiculous. I don't know. That's just me. I like being miserable as a Philly fan, though, sometimes. You know, I think that's what gives us our edge. Um, And I think this is just like us being a little full of ourselves. And hopefully we can just get out of the way before the season starts. And once the season starts, you know, we're on to the new season. But I think this statue is just a little odd and unnecessary. And I would love to hear your take on it because I don't know. Most people don't agree with me. Some people do. But I think it's a little healthy. That's just me. I'll take a statue of Doug and and Nick, but, you know, in due time. Um, Definitely the best play call in all of Super Bowl history. 
probably the gutsiest play call of maybe even football history. But I don't think it deserves a statue just yet. Um, love to hear your thoughts. The timing of the statue itself, I agree, is completely ridiculous. To have a statue erected of something that happened just a few months ago, it's kind of ridiculous. But the statue itself, in the moment, and what it captures is one of the most fantastic things that's ever happened in all of Philadelphia sports history. Like, that is, that is like, you know how we used to have, like, the Rocky statue, and that was, like, the, like, symbol of hard work and just, like, being a champion in the city of Philadelphia because we had no real champions? Like, that moment, and now what they've captured in that statue is epic. It is the most incredible moment in Philadelphia sports history. So I go back and forth. The timing is suspect, but the statue itself is pretty fucking awesome. And it's pretty cool that they, they put that together for the Eagles, especially because they were part of it. Like dilly dilly all through like last year's playoffs. Like that was a great marketing campaign. And the Eagles tied it into one of their play calls. It turned into the whole thing with the parade. Like it's a great moment. So like, yeah, let's, let's capture it, I guess in a statue, but I agree with Mike. Like maybe let's maybe push it out a few years. I get to like need for Bud Light to market it and make it make money off of it and all that stuff. But you know, we're always gonna remember Bud Light. Like Bud Light's now the official beer sponsor of the Philadelphia Eagles, at least for me for the rest of my life. Not that I'll that'll make me buy any more Bud Light, but that's how I'll feel. So thanks for the memories. You and I are texting back and forth. Add this or don't add it, but I'm driving so I can't really text too great. Um like, I just texted you. The Philly, there's, like, a Philly.com guy or whatever. He basically wrote an article saying, like, he, he, like, wants to go back to being miserable. Like, yeah, the Super Bowl was great, but, like, everyone's all jubilant and all that other stuff. And, you know, what gives us Eagles fans our edge is to be miserable and to think highly of a team, want to fire the coach, and then when they start winning, everyone, you know, starts sucking the dick. Um, but I kind of agree with them and kind of don't. The parts that I do is, like, you're going to get a whole new generation of fans, which is great. But also, you're going to get the fans that are, like, fucking bandwagoners. Like, how the Phillies did from 07 to, to 07 to 010, or just 10, 2010, however the fuck you say it. Um, I think that it's, like, you get these new fans that haven't gone through what we've gone through as generational, I don't, even, I don't even know if it's generational, but like lifelong fans, you know, I was brought up to, from zero days old, I was an Eagles fan, same with everyone else in this group except for maybe Fox because he's a fag and uh, I don't, I, I guess Zach Marin is a, he, I, I don't know what Zach Marin is, but whatever, he likes weird teams. Um but, you know, it gives us that grit, and we're going to have all these new fans who only know Super Bowl, which is great for them. But that's not an Eagles fan to me, and that's, you know, I like being miserable, which is kind of crazy. But, like, I like being miserable because then it gives us that much more satisfaction of when we win. Um, I know I'm not the only one that feels this way. Um, you know, it's just winning's great and everything, but time to get back to reality and, Everyone's 0 and 0, you know. You can go 16 and 0, and just like the Patriots, you can lose in that last game. But let's just get to the playoffs this year, and we'll see how it goes. 
For the record, I believe that Zach Marin is a Eagles fan, though his dad growing up, when he was growing up, was a 49ers fan because his dad's a dirty front runner. Um, but anyway, like my 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 perspective on the Fairweather fan or the or the bandwagoner is that it's all just part of being a good team. Anytime you have a championship team, there's going to be people that jump on. And that's just a fact. So for me, it's it comes down to I am confident in myself as a person that I don't I don't allow other people and their emotions or whatever to impact my life. That's just a fact. So like I love the Eagles. I've loved them since I was a little kid. I am what Mike's defining as a true fan. And no Fairweather fan or bandwagoner or person that's jumping on doesn't really like hasn't been along for the suffering, the uh the Super Bowl heartbreak and all that crap. Like I don't need that to feel satisfaction. I don't need, I, like, I, I, I've, I've experienced that myself. So, like, that shit to me, fandom and where you come from as a fan comes from within. So, fuck everybody else that's a bandwagoner. Like, let them be a bandwagoner. Like, let them have an experience with sports. The, I just think, like, being an Eagles fan in particular is very special. And you know a hardcore Eagles fan when you see one. Like, if I'm out, like, I think I talked about it in the last podcast. Like, if I'm out in some other state... I'm going to run into somebody with my Eagles gear on because I wear it everywhere I go and like they're wearing it everywhere they go because they're proud of their team. We see each other and we're like, hey, what's up? You Philly guy? Yeah, I'm Philly guy. Yeah, like where are you from? Oh, I'm from there. Oh, yeah, I know somebody from there. And that like happens everywhere you go. Everywhere you go. That's what's great about being an Eagles fan. Now that we're done with Mike and his rants, let's check in with Dave inside the stadium there at the game. Friends, Dave. take so long. It's because of the advertising. They want to sell more fucking advertising. They greedy NFL. What the fuck? Thanks for checking in from the game. Uh, I appreciate those ones. Check in from the game as much as you want. Fire them at me, bro. Frank, good call. Saying Drew Brees is my best pick. It was. He won me this week. Already worth it. Whew, that was a close one. I almost took Mike Kafka. Brees nuts, man. The guy is one of the best quarterbacks of all time. I don't think he gets enough credit. Like, when you look at some of the statistical things that he's done, and the fact that he won a Super Bowl, I think in a year that people thought Peyton Manning was going to win that Super Bowl, but he didn't. Drew Brees did. Drew Brees is a good fucking quarterback, future Hall of Famer. Overall, it was a great first weekend of the Flag Football League. A lot of roughing the poos-poos calls this week. I think they set a record. Fucking roughing the poos. Jeez, my favorite's when the ball comes loose and it's a ball sack. Yeah, dude. Like, seriously, there was a lot of roughing the patch. This new rule of you can't put your body weight on the quarterback. What do you want him to do? Like, you tackle the guy like you're going, your momentum's going towards him and on top of him. What, are you supposed to, like, do some acrobatic thing when you're 315 fucking pounds and just, like, matrix yourself out of the way? That's ridiculous. They need to curb that shit. Uh, as I mentioned earlier on the podcast, the Monday night broadcast was awful. Let's check in with Dave and his thoughts on the Monday Night Broadcast. Uh, I don't get it. I, I'm not sexist, I swear. Just, uh, you know, it's a man's sport. You don't see girls playing. It's different in tennis or other sports where there's female leagues too with basketball. This is a guy's only thing. I mean, 
you girls got your other shit that you do, but leave the football to the men. Completely agree, bro. I think we're on the same page here. I don't have much this week. Um, the birds won in a kind of a dreadful game, but uh, you know they got to step it up for next week. Tampa Bay came out firing with Fitz, Fitz Magic. They call this fucking forty-year-old journeyman. Um, I like Jake and Mark's match matchup. I feel bit, you know, I really wanted to take Mark out by the likes of Jake, so I could become head heeb eventually. Um, I don't have much, Brent. I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry for the lack of content. I think you have like amnesia, dude, because like you literally sent me the most content, and uh, you forget your drive. Um, but yeah, Fitzmagic's in for some trouble. Zach played his uh, and his beard better show up. So I'm in two other leagues, and yours is by far the best, Brent. But I will say, it's not a bad play to take a quarterback early in your league, considering they make six points per touchdown pass. My leagues are four. Uh, I think four is kind of like the standard. So I don't know if you increase that, but it makes quarterbacks more valuable. So I don't think anybody should be fine for taking a quarterback early in the third round. It's not a bad play. I did increase it to six, which is different than some leagues, but I think it's because, like, when a quarterback throws a touchdown, you should get credit for it. Like, the quarterback did something in there, you know? Um, that's why I, I, I agree. Like, yeah, a quarterback's valuable in our league more so than some others, but in any fantasy draft, I think if you take a quarterback before, like, round four, it may be a little bit of a stretch. If you're going after Aaron Rodgers in the third round, I can maybe understand. But if you're going after, like, I don't know, somebody else in your in your stretching. Mm, I don't know. Quarterbacks are meant for the later rounds. It's just there's more value in some of the other positions. And it has to do with like what's the like what's the tiers within that? Like, yeah, there's Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, and then pretty much everyone else is the same. That's kind of how it goes. There's some be- people that are better than others, more consistent. Um, but with like something like running back, there's like a group of guys. And if you don't get one of them, you're fucked. Which is why I think yes, been the early picks on running backs. This is my my professional opinion, if you will. Week one doesn't really like do anything for me in uh, fantasy, except for the pickup of James Conner. Uh, Mark, hit me up, dude. I need a quarterback. Uh, I'll give you James Conner if you want him. Le'Veon doesn't seem like he's going to come back to play now that his O line uh, kind of tore him apart. Yeah, it doesn't really happen. Unprecedented in the NFL. If I were UML, I'd be selling very high on James Conner. I think uh, this is the time to get something for him. Brent, I'd also love to uh, hear your review on the new Eminem album. I think uh, it's his strongest showing in quite some time. And uh, some of it's, you know, Alfie, but the rest is uh, pretty good. Uh, Dave can't listen, though, you know. And Simon and Dave, they, they're not allowed, according to... Marshall Mathers himself. Um, but it's pretty good. Pretty, pretty good. Um, that's all I got, man. I'm just sitting here driving. It's fucking boring. Pennsylvania is fucking boring. Yeah, man, I'll be honest with you. I have, uh, here's my review of the Eminem album. Uh, I'm not gonna touch. Chill the fuck out, dude. Chill the Fuck it. Jen just came here and whooped Dutch's ass. It was pretty awesome. Um, but yeah, I'm not, my review of the Eminem album is that I'm not ever going to listen to it because I haven't listened to an Eminem album since the Eminem show because he's garbage now to me. 
He's not the rapper he once was. He doesn't have that anger and that raw shit that you're looking for. Not for me. Not for me. So as I sit at this beautiful establishment called Rope Walk in Ocean City, Maryland, I'm going to tell you guys a little story about Mark and I's golf round yesterday. We played at this place called, um, what was it called? Lighthouse Sounds. Sounds. Right on the bay. Fucking beautiful. Mark and I were like on the seventh hole or so. We tee off drive up to our balls and we're, we're we're a little curious about this abandoned cart in the, in the in the middle of the course so we're both wondering what's going on we finally get up to this cart and all of a sudden over the side of this little retention area filled with water comes this bag of balls that's flying out and we're like what the fuck next thing you know this fucking scuba guy full gear tank and everything comes crawling out of this water fucking ecstatic with all these balls he got <laughs> mark and i are just blown away like, <laughs> just didn't know what was going on guys from australia or some shit down under and he's selling these balls for five bucks a pop down here he's killing it you guys gotta see it mark will, will uh tell you guys a little more about this when you guys see you but i'm drunk sorry bye <laughs> that's fu- <laughs> that's fucking awesome because uh I can't imagine being on a golf course and seeing a guy in, like, is he in, like, full scuba gear? Like, I kind of feel like I need more details here. Like, a guy in, like, full scuba gear just going for golf balls and then selling them. True fucking hustler. All right, so me and BJ are out golfing the other day at this nice-ass course in Ocean City, uh, Maryland. And uh, we're on, like, the, I don't know, front nine, some hole. And we see uh, there's a little tiny little pond next to these houses. And then there's a cart there. And there's, like, no one around. And then next thing you know, you see, like, this, like, bag just, like, flop over the side of this brush. And I'm like, what the fuck was that? And then, lo and behold, you see this guy crawling, like, you know, getting out of a pool. You know how you, like, you know, get one hand up and the other hand up and you, like, push yourself up? This guy's coming out of the fucking pond, full scuba gear, with the flappers and all. And he's, like, flops one foot on, flops the other <laughs> foot up. And he takes his mask off. And me and BJ are already dying laughing. And we're like, what the fuck are we seeing right now? And then he takes his mask off, and I look over to him. He's like, yeah, man, that looks, that looks pretty fun. Is that fun? And he's like, uh, sometimes. Not really. And he's like, comes out with like, a, like probably a 40-pound bag, if not more, of golf balls, hundreds of golf balls in this bag. Dude, it was, it was, it was a sight. It was a sight. Oh hey man, what's up? No, no nothing, bro. Oh wait, well, yeah, like, uh, what do you do? Um, you know, I scuba dive golf balls out of the bottom of a fucking golf ball or golf course pond. What a life! What a life! Brent, Dave, check it in from the Phillies game this time. Uh, Jake's here too. Uh, yeah, it's pretty fucking boring, man. Baseball kind of sucks. Jake, what do you think? I concur, a hundred percent, fully, and that's it. Probably 10,000 people here, it's a shame. But uh, we've had warm peanuts that were definitely hard to chew through. We've had some shitty-ass popcorn that was very stale. And we had, I had a pretzel that looked like it's been sitting since last Tuesday. So this fucking sucks. They're definitely struggling to sell an inventory right now. But other than that, good night for a ball game. Ball's deep. Sign R. I'm sure you paid like $150 for all those things you just named.
Uh, yeah, the baseball games, man, boring as shit. It's football season. I'm not even thinking about baseball. Fuck that shit. The Weather Service has issued a pretty big warning for Charleston, so uh, everyone stand by uh, over the next few days. I probably won't know maybe till they say there's warnings up until Saturday, Sunday, so uh, mad flooding going on, and we'll have to see how that goes, and everyone stay on alert, and uh, we may be maybe changing plans here. So I got boots on the ground uh, of Sergeant Zachary Plattis, and he'll tell us what's good, and we'll go from there. Uh, luckily, no one bought an expensive flight except for me, um, so I don't feel bad changing on you guys. Um, let me know what you guys think about uh, the following weekend, possibly go to Austin. I don't want to go to Austin the same weekend as Ashley. I think that's corny. Um, but uh, let's let's get the ball rolling let's let's discuss once once the storm hits landfall brent tsunami simone has been tracking the storm and he's looking at it to pretty much plow the fucking shit out of the carolinas um the thing about this storm is yeah it's been downgraded today to a category three um but that is one of the bigger storms that's ever hit the carolinas and the thing with the area of uh, South Carolina, North Carolina, is the, the, the land, from what I've read, it retains a lot of water. So right now, it's at the, like the max levels of water retention. So if a massive rainstorm, storm surges that follow a hurricane come through and dump a bunch of sh- fucking rain on these areas, these areas are going to flood, which is going to cause damage. And then the wind from the hurricane itself is also going to cause damage. So there's lots of things that could go wrong with Charleston. So we definitely have to keep our eye on that. Um, I'm open for whatever, brother. You tell me where I gotta be. I'm gonna be there. I'm gonna do my thing. Let's uh, let's get one more in. This one coming from Steino, who's one of my favorite people to hear from. Let's hear from Steino. Yo, it's Stein. I just leaving the uh, hospital with Margaret now after my uh, my stitches got put in. Um, yeah, I got we got a little 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 boo boo on my nose, but anyway. Uh, I just wanted to uh, say you did a great job with uh, the the um, podcast last week, and you did a great job, you know, at the draft and everything. I think I told you that. And uh, I just got to say, man, I think Sam Bradford is the worst fucking quarterback in the league, and he needs to die in a fire. I fucking can't stand that guy. Even when he's not on my team, he is fucking my day up. Because <laughs> how can David Johnson get any goddamn yardage if it's a three and out every time? because you can't fucking throw the ball. And they know, so they just stack the fucking box so David Johnson can't get any fucking running in. And then little Leonard Fournette, you know, misses, gets out because he's a little fucking poos-poos. Greg Olson is like fucking Mr. Glass, and he, you know, his football fucking broken. What a piece of shit. Yeah, he's like out of his fucking season. I have to use the wheel. He's a fucking retard. I swear to God, man, the NFL is so fucked this year, it's retarded. And Seth Moens, <gasps> that lady, oh. piece of shit, okay, and okay. ruined our broadcast. And I'm pretty sure I explained this guy to you earlier, and I talked to you about how we went on the Spanish channel. But, yeah, you're, and you guys didn't believe me that I thought Margaret thought she was awful. And Margaret's a woman, you know, and she's all about, like, you know, women doing the right thing. But her no. voice was bad. Here, I, Margaret. I have no problem with a woman wanting to commentate the game, although, honestly... I'd probably prefer a male doing it. All about it. That woman was an atrocity. She was freaking <laughs> awful. I couldn't mute 
or well, we went to Spanish, but yeah. either way, I couldn't. I couldn't. It was so flat. But even her comment, her yeah, but even her her partner was even just as bad. Like they were like those wet noodles about everything, and she tried she tried too hard to sound like Bob Memory. Like it was so bad. It was it was awful. Anyway, um, I I read somewhere that Monday Night Football is down. A tremendous amount, like percentage, like twenty six percent from two thousand sixteen or something like that. Yeah. Like it was really bad. Anyway, just wanted to say, uh, fuck you, Brent. Uh, that was Better luck match. next week. That was that was the uh, <laughs> matchup I was looking for during last year's final game, and finally beat you. So suck my cock and balls. Peace, bro. The Steins checking in. I appreciate the uh, Steins checking in, and uh. Our thoughts and condolences to Stein and his nose. And I thought the the joke that Mike made earlier was pretty funny where he said, uh, well, let me back up a little bit. So Stein basically had some ladder incident where, like, dude fell off a ladder. He tried to catch him and then, like, fucking piece of, like, the ceiling or something clocked him in the nose and, like, hacked his nose. Like, really, like, nasty cut. Uh, it looked like a couple different spots on his nose. And Mike made the funny joke of, um, Stein's actually trying to take away the last Jew thing about him and his nose. I thought that was hilarious. But, yeah, Stein, you got the best of me this week. And, yeah, Sam, Sam Bradford, oof. I'm glad we uh, got rid of that guy in that deer in headlights look that just drives me fucking crazy. And I agree. Beth Moen's just <laughs> miserable. Miserable. All right. So that's going to do it for me this week. Uh, I would look up the matchups, but my wife's uh, rushing me to go eat dinner. So I don't got time for it. But we're going to leave you to here today with a little song from Jove. Uh, he picked this one out. He's our week's MVP. And we'll see him in the Commissioner's Challenge this week. See you next week. Blue Ridge Mountains, Shenandoah River. Life is all there, older than the trees, younger than the mountains. Blowing like the breeze Country roads Take me home To the place I belong West Virginia Mountain Mama Take me home Country roads All my memories Gather round her, miner's lady, stranger to blue water, dark and dusty, painted on the sky, misty taste of moonshine, teardrops in my eye, country roads, take me home to the place. Morning now she calls me the radio
me. It's wrong. 